0: I was thinking about this and actually a lot of prayer um, this week in particular about this year. And actually, I, I began to ask the Lord, Lord, what was 2020 really all about? And I think we're going to find that 2020 um, is going to reveal that a lot took place probably more in the positive than it was the negative. I think it's going to reveal that 2021 is going to show that 2021. Somebody say, Amen. And I really believe that I believe that with all my heart that God has does more sometimes in the the uh, furnace of affliction than when we're on top of the mountains and a lot is being done. I, I began to ask the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, um, definitely this year, this past year, 2020, has been a definite year of testing for a lot of us, for a lot of you. And to kind of see what we're made of, what we're actually capable of and and to see if we'll be found faithful with what God asks us to do, even during difficult times. Also, 2020, um, actually, it started for, for me, the word of the Lord came in 2019 that it would become a time, a year of exposure. And then the Lord told me that it was going to slip into several years of exposure. So there's a lot that's also being undone that was done wrong or being exposed that was, has been literally swept under the carpet. And God has been revealing those things, and I'm going to tell you the word of the Lord is this, much, much, much more, I'll call it this, revelation is about to come out, and exposure on a level we've never seen before. And it's not just in the natural, with the natural things that we go through in life, it's also going to be in our own lives as spiritual people God's going to begin to expose things. I don't say this lightly. I say it because I believe that's what God's saying to us. And I also believe it's a time of repentance. You know, God gives us a gift and that gift is called the gift of repentance to make things right so that when God exposes something, he exposes it to you and not goes public with what's going on in your world and your life. So it's a time for us to get things real quiet right there. But I would say the good news is you got time to make it right and get it right, get it on the blood, ask God to forgive you because exposure's coming. And it, it, it's just gonna go all like wildfire everywhere. And it's good because again, I don't think God's through with the testing period, but certainly 2020 was a part of that. And God revealed to me that this, this last year has been a time of great preservation. Everybody say Preservation. And preservation means this, it's the act, process, or result of keeping something valued alive, keeping something value intact, keeping something value free of damage or decay. So I believe God values planet earth. I believe God values America. And I believe God values you and me as his children, probably above everything else because everything else will pass away. But you and I are forever and forever, and I believe God has been preserving us. So they used to say, you know, you 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 can enjoy the sausage, but you don't want to see them make the sausage, right? It's a whole different it's a whole different process. Same thing with preserving something. You know, you enjoy the preservative like jam or jelly or whatever, but you might not like the process as much. There's a process that God took us through in 2020 that's bringing about preservation in our life. And by the way, there is divine... I feel like prophesying right now. There there is divine preservation, and then there is self-preservation. There's a preservation that God brings to you, God wants to do in you, and then this kind of preservation that you want to take care of yourself. Self-preservation. And the kind of self-preservation that's about to be exposed in these days is the kind of self-preservation that a man named Haman dealt with where Haman was second in charge to the king of Babylon or the Midianites at that time. And this, this man was filled with arrogance and pride. He wanted to be, he, he fought and clawed and, and he did everything he had to do and paid people off to, to get in the position of authority So that he could also be, um, he could also be touted as being somebody special or as special as the king. Or as special as you could possibly be in the kingdom. And that's the right hand man to the king. And um, he um, was such a high degree of authority that people were told to bow down to him because he was like the king's ambassador. And everywhere he went, it was as if the king went. And let me tell you something, Haman loved that authority. Haman loved that kind of power. He was filled with ego and pride, and he wanted it so desperately. And, but he couldn't get it from everybody. There was a man named Mordecai, and Mordecai was a Jew that was in exile. In other words, he was exiled, but he was also in bondage. He was brought into a, a, a like, almost like it would be considered like uh, concentration camps of our day and age, the Jews and he was the ringleader. He was the the leader that was was uh, what, that. The, I don't think he even pointed himself. He he was a leader among the people, and um, he was a he was a man about freedom and and all about freeing the people of God. And here he is in bondage, and and so everybody would bow down to Haman when he would go by with his chariot or walk by with his people, and set everybody except for one man by the name of Mordecai. He would not bow down. He commanded that he would bow down. He said, "I will not." bow down to you Mordecai was saying I I don't recognize your authority you may think you're something but you're nothing to me God is first in my life and I bow to him and him alone and there was a woman by the name of Esther who was kin to Mordecai who was beautiful and and God used her beauty and got the attention of the king and she actually married the king not because she was in love with him, but because he desired her and wanted her and, and brought her into his concubines and she rose to the, to the top. And so here she is, a, a person that's been put in captivity, taken from Mordecai's family, and now put into the king's court. So now you've got a battle going on between Haman. I don't know why I'm saying all this right now, but I'm going to go ahead and prophesy. You've got a battle between Haman and you've got a battle between Esther because Esther also has the other ear of the king. God always will put the right people the right places to speak on your behalf. Somebody say amen. You're one person away from a breakthrough. You're one person away from your miracle. And um, it looked bad because Mordecai wouldn't bow down, but yet he had somebody in high places that was intervening and interceding on his behalf. And so... Uh, Haman told his wife and said these things, this man named Mordecai, he's whining and crying, he won't bow down. And, and she said, well, why don't you do this? Make a decree that anybody doesn't do it, uh, you know, they got to pay the price and die. He said, good idea. Goes to the king, king says, that's not a good idea. How dare they disrespect your authority? If they disrespect you, they disrespect me. He said, you know what, king, we should do? We should build the gallows and build them high, real high, so everybody can see them. And any man or woman that doesn't bow down to me has to be hung on those gallows. And they began to cut the timber and get everything ready in a place. And they built these high gallows to begin to execute anybody who wouldn't bow down in his presence. And Mordecai saw them building. He still wouldn't bow. And so the day came, without going to all the rest of the story, that Esther told the king what was in the heart of Haman and said, here's what he's devised to do. He's devised to do it against my people. He said, what say you? He has not that authority. He tricked me. And the Bible says, the very, listen to me, when you get into self preservation, be very quick, understand, be quick to understand that the the Bible says that when you begin to dig the ditch for someone else to fall into, you're gonna be the one to trip and fall into the very ditch you dug. And the king said, Give me Haman. And Haman thought, Oh God. It must be my time of promotion. But in the midst of the meeting, he could feel the atmosphere switching and changing. And in his desire for self-preservation, the king said, go ahead, take him away and hang him on the very gallows that he built to hang everybody else. I'm here to tell somebody and let the devil know today that the very gallows he built to string you up on the very gallows he's coming down on. Israel was preserved. Everybody say preserved. By the faithfulness of Mordecai and Esther. The title of my message this morning is Faithfulness Arise. Faithfulness Arise. Arise, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your anointing, Lord God. We thank you that the angels are present even here, Lord God. They walk with me. They walked in with these people today. There is definitely your power and your kingdom is in this place, Lord God. And it's ever advancing and we give you praise for that, Lord God. Let now the words, Lord God, that you have to speak, Lord God, be strong and mighty, Lord God, and pierce even the greatest of darkness, I pray, and into the hearts of the people, Lord God, until they're never the same again. Let faithfulness arise in your people, Lord God, in this nation and around the world, we pray in Jesus' name. And the church said a big amen. Amen. I said the church said a big amen. 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 So God tested a man named Abraham. You all know the story of Abraham. And he tested him because he gave him a promise. And in the promise, there was going to be a preservation As a matter of fact, God tested Abraham to be the preservation of a nation. There was a nation inside of him, but he did not know it. There's much more inside of you than what you realize today. And it takes some sort of kind of digging deep and to be faithful with what God has said to do, even when it looks like it's absolutely impossible. Staying engaged with God during times of impossibility, is difficult until you understand the power of faithfulness. And of course, it's preserved, not only Abraham and his wife Sarah preserved his son, but of course, we know it preserved the entire nation called the nation of Israel. And the, th- the thing that was key in Abraham was though he was old in age, advancing every single year, and by the way, the promise that God gave of Abraham's preservation of his lineage was uh, it, the, the Bible talks about this and theologians all agree around 15 to 17 years later is after the promise that Abraham actually uh, and his wife conceived and had a child by the name of Isaac. And so he had to be found faithful. And even greater than that, his name was Abram and God changed it to Abraham or Abraham, if you to say it that way. And, and that name means a father of a nation or a father of a multitude, and yet he had no children. So he had to be faithful, even in his namesake, even talking to other people by saying, my name is father of a nation, having no children. My name is father of a multitude, having no kids. Let me make this statement. We don't deserve what faithfulness preserves. In other words, faithfulness brings a favor you can't earn, Faithfulness brings a favor you don't have the gifting to attain. It's something different. You don't deserve it, but God will preserve it. The truth is, God is looking for the faithful. He says, When I come, will I find faith on the earth? He's looking for those that, even though there was a tough time during 2020, you'll still say 2021 in 2021 because I was faithful to what God asked me to do and if I wasn't I will repent of that so I can be faithful in this next season because the faithfulness of this next season is going to be what's required of me to win and get the victory those who don't crumble under pressure is what I'm talking about, and will be found faithful are the ones that God's looking for. Those who won't give up before achieving the victory, but will be found faithful. Those who won't cave to worldly influences, but will be found faithful to their God. Faithfulness preserves Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the flaming fiery furnace. Faithfulness preserved Daniel in the roaring rage of the lion's den. Faithfulness preserved David against the lion and the bear and against the wielding sword of a crazed Philistine giant and your faithfulness is going to preserve you and your family for generations to come, somebody shout yes. And not only your faithfulness, but the faithfulness of your God. I'm going to say that again. Because when your faithfulness fails, you've got a God who cannot fail and his faithfulness will cause you to win each and every single time. Everybody say he's faithful to his word. The first revelation that you need is that God is faithful no matter what. I don't know what's going on in your world right now, what's happening in your life, but God is still faithful. Whatever he promised, he's a promise-keeping God. If he ever said it, it's impossible for him to ever bring it back. Once it comes out of his mouth, it's like the rain out of the cloud. It never goes back into the cloud. It goes to the earth, and it waters the earth. The same is with God's word. If he didn't want you to have it, he should have never said it. But the fact that he said it tells me and tells you it's got to come to pass. Come on. First Corinthians chapter one, nine says, God is y'all slow, but you're worth waiting on. Come on. God is faithful. Whom, watch this. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Because Jesus is the faithful promise of God for 4,000 years before he ever came on the scene. God gave a promise for Jesus to be here. So we receive that. Amplified says this. God is faithful. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. Therefore, he's ever true to his promise. And he can be depended on by him you're called in companionship and partnership with his son Jesus Christ our lord he always will be found faithful faithful is the faithfulness rather is the decision to do what god requires without a time consciousness what do i mean by that i'll tell you what i mean by that because many times did i feel a little drop over here did i get a little drop Oh, I hate drops. Clearly, that, what? It's starting to rain in here? Praise God. <laughs> I got a little drop or something. Um, time consciousness can destroy your faithfulness. Because when you begin to put a time on what your expectation is with God, and then when you reach that time and it doesn't come to place, it can destroy your faith will ultimately destroy your faithfulness. Be careful by putting time restrictions on God because you serve an eternal God. I just mentioned Abraham. It took him his whole life to receive that certain promise that God gave him. But look at the lineage he's got. Look at the legacy of thousands of years of God's people on the planet. And Jesus Christ himself came out of the bosom of Abraham. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Faithfulness is a decision that I make without a time consciousness or time restriction. Let me make this statement. Time can become an enemy of your trust in God. And I'll tell you that I, I know this for for a fact within even my own life I've noticed that that you know waiting isn't my like my strong suit. Like I I don't like waiting. I don't know about you when someone says, "Well, I I don't mind waiting." My mother-in-law, she's she's awesome. she's probably watching me right now. She's awesome. She's she's saintly because she said, "I don't understand why people get so upset in traffic." I thought, you know, you ever see that Homer Simpson that meme? He just starts backing up into the <laughs> Into the hedges, I thought, uh, <laughs> "That's not me." She goes, "People." So she goes, "I don't care. It's whatever. I'll get there when I get there. I'm just as calm as I can possibly be." I'm thinking, "Oh my lord, that's not me at all." I mean, I want it to be me, but that's not who I am, right? And and I don't like I don't like waiting for things to take place, and so. I noticed that the longer I have to wait for something, the more it begins to wear on my trust, especially when God's promised something, promised something to me, it begins to wear on my trust that it will ever come to pass. And then I start looking for other avenues of how, well, maybe this will happen. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can make that happen. You know, certain things you can't make happen. That, you know, what you do make is a mess. Somebody say amen. amen. Everybody say this. Say, I will trust him even when I can't trace him. That's just good for your soul right there. What God starts, church, he's faithful to finish and expects us to do the same thing. Whatever he starts, he finishes. Matter of fact, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. As a matter of fact, he's alpha and omega, which means whatever he's begun, he's, whatever he began is because he started from the end and worked his way to the beginning. He's got the plan already laid out. Nothing right now in your world that's rocked your world took God by surprise. He already knew it, and he's already made provisions for you. To do what? To preserve you through your fire, to preserve you through your trouble, your trial, and your circumstance. God will make a way because God's a finisher. God wants us to follow through. I don't know about you, but I had a good dad, and 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 I know a lot of people can't say that, and that's unfortunate. Thank God we have a good father that you don't have to look at your heavenly father like you did your father if he wasn't there. Your natural father, if he wasn't there for you, he's so good. And even my dad, as good as he was, he could never match the goodness of our God. And um, my dad was... uh, was one of those guys that he believed in that you had to work, you know what I mean? So you didn't just get to sit around the house and play video games. There wasn't, well, there might have been some video games when I was a kid, but there were very few and far between, you didn't have that. I mean, it was back in those days, it was get out of the house. That was your video game right there. Your parents said, like, get out of the house. What do you want, watching TV? You ain't watching TV all day. Get out of the house. Summertime, go find something to do. And then you went and go, did it. And you don't come back to when? To the streetlights came on. Y'all must have lived in my neighborhood, amen. And so, and so that's how it was. And, you know, you got a lot of trouble, but you know what? You're kind of out of their hair. It was the world we lived in. It's just the way that it was in those days. But, but my dad, was, I said, Dad, I need this. I want to get a new pair of Nikes. I remember he goes, well, I'll tell you what. I'll get you those pair. Well, how are you going to do it? He goes, I'm going to provide you a job. How many knows? that's not what I wanted to hear. Give me the 25 bucks, whatever they were back in those. Give me the 50 bucks. Give it to, I'm to, but no, he said, I'll give you, I'll, I'm going to give you a job. And you'll earn that money. And I, you know, and that's the way it was. And so, and then there were chores we had to do. I hated the word chore. My mother said, Did You get your chores done. Oh, Lord, don't just choose another word. Chore, just oh. Hated the word chore, you know. And so get your chores done. Chore, one of my chores was I had to mow the lawn. And so my dad, he said, you know, would teach me, I was a little kid. I remember, when I was a kid, I remember pushing the lawnmower like this. That's how small my dad had me. I was that big, I was that big, Dennis, and my dad already had me pushing the lawn. It was the way it was, right? And so, I, you know, and when you're a kid, it's fun, right? It's like a, it's a machine. You get to push a machine. And then you get older, you go, wait a second, I'm just doing work here. That's all I'm really doing. I'm just working. And it's sweaty and hot and, you know, the gas and smell and the vapors and the cutting of the grass stinks. It's just, a, it's just bad, right? So, dust everywhere. So, uh, what you tried to do was you tried to get that job done as quick as you could, Rich. You, you got it. So you did a, did a square. Remember the square? And eh, it eh, eh, eh. got square, got smaller, smaller, smaller. You didn't do the whole lines this way, line this way. No, no, no. Get it done as quick as it was. And we had a dog. And sometimes that dog, come on, would use the bathroom, praise God. And it would hit that thing. It would be nasty. It would just be gross. You're stepping in. It's just, I hated mowing the lawn. Hated it. Rocks flying. And so, but you tried to go as fast as you possibly could. And so what happens is you, start, you try to cut those corners. So you, you, when you get your tire, you want your tires, the wheels on that thing, to line up perfectly so you don't have to do any more time on that grass as you can. So you try. To, and so what happens, you end up leaving those little slivers of lines. But you didn't care, praise God. You were done with the job. So you thought. My dad would come home. And then I'll say, boy, get up here. I come up from the basement. He says, come on here. Look at that lawn. Is that, done? Is that, that, that long, long done to you? pretty done. Pretty good job, I would say myself. He said, boy, look at the, and he would start showing me, right, the details. He said, this lawn's not done until it's done. What have I told you about following through? Job worth doing is worth doing right. Some of y'all didn't hear that when you were a kid. I'm telling you right now, and it still works, right? He said, you got to finish the job you start furthermore, I want, I told you, you got to clean that lawnmower. You're done with it. Get that garbage off the, you know, get the stuck grass off of there, debris off of there, wash it down and put it back where you found it. And you know, I hated it for that. I hated that. It's like, I, I had to go out there and restart that thing and whole thing. But now I thank God for a father who taught me when you do something, do it right, follow through and finish the job. I found out later in life that's really a godly principle. No matter how hard it is, no matter how hot the day is, no matter how stinky it gets, no matter how sweaty you are, once you start that thing, you make a commitment in your mind, I'm going to be faithful to follow through and finish it until it's done because it's not checked off the box. It's not checked off until it's completely done the way it's supposed to be. And I believe God is doing that with his people. You know, things he's let slide slide by sometimes. He's not going to let that slide by anymore. I'm not trying to make it it hard for you. I'm telling you what I feel in the spirit. There are things that God said, you've been cutting corners. I've allowed it for a season. I kind of shook my head because you were being immature. But now I want my body to begin to mature. And I want you to do the job and do it right and do it correct the first time. (laughs) Claps are getting less and less but I feel the pull from those watching me right now. <laughs> Philippians chapter one, verse six, look at this. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who had begun has begun a good work in you, watch this, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I would say our God is a, aren't you glad that God, God follows through with you? That God's faithful to you? That God does what he says he's gonna do for you? Again, Hebrews 12, t- two, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. When he starts, he finishes. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This, this is very powerful. Who gave that that little uh, demon stand up? Father, we bless this woman right now in Jesus' precious name. Now, I didn't know it was you that stood here, but I thank you, Lord God, that you're finishing and completing the work in her, Father God, and that which you promised her even back when she was, and I'm, I'm looking back to 1995, and in between 95 and 99, and Father, I thank you that what you put in her when she was very, very young is coming to completion, Father God. She feels a stirring and a bubbling up, Lord God, uh, uh, something that's beginning to happen, and yet the enemy has kept saying, no, it's not gonna happen. It's not possible. That's a lie, Damaris. In the name of Jesus Christ, we release even in this moment, Father, by faith I stand as a man of God to release the destiny that's inside of her in Jesus' precious name. Lord God, the ideas, the impressions, Lord God. Oh, God, been, the dreams have been coming forth like crazy lately, Lord God. I thank you they're coming forth for a reason, Father God, in Jesus' precious name. And her and her husband are about to be blessed like they've never seen before. This is not going be a, This is not gonna be a year of drought for you in your spirit or in your finances says the Lord you something special is breaking forth for you hallelujah I don't want to embarrass you are you are you thinking about having children of any kind that's it right there just lift your hands she wrote that on her seed come forward honey come here honey come here She wrote that on her seed. Stand right here. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on over, Bobby Joe. Lay your hands on her. Same confirmation. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release right now inside of you this woman, Lord God, the seed, not this this seed, Lord God, but that seed is going to cause her seed to become pregnant. In the name of Jesus, we release our faith, Lord God. It's going to happen all Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name. (laughs) And I pray this time next year, Father God, she's holding her promise in her hands. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on. Come on. Amen. Yes, yes, 2020 WON. We win. Glory, glory to God. I'm thankful we have a God who doesn't discourage us but encourages us. He encourages us to move ahead. Try again. Don't be condemned. Don't go negative. Remember, I love you. You're going to make it. Press in. Press on. You always got tomorrow. Come on, somebody shout yes. Glory to God. Our God will always push you to the end game. And the end game is that you will have total victory. Somebody shout, Victory is mine. Woo. Hallelujah. Let me ask you, how many times have you wanted to quit, but God just wouldn't let you? <laughs> You want to throw in the towel, but God wouldn't let you. You want to say enough is enough, but our God wouldn't let you. You want to tell God, choose somebody else, but God wouldn't let you. You want to tell God you must have the wrong person. So I'm done, but God wouldn't let you quit. Aren't you glad he says don't quit, don't give up? Paul The apostle went to the Lord three times and he asked of the Lord, he said, uh, I want you to deal with this thorn in the flesh. We don't really know what the thorn in the flesh was. There's speculation, but that's really all that it is is speculation. We don't know what it was, but it was something having to do with his health. And it was, it was impeding him from his assignment. He felt, and it was a difficult thing. Very difficult until he writes it down. It's in your Bible. And he went to God three times and said, Lord, I'm suffering here and I need help. And each and every time God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Just be faithful. How many think sometimes when God says his grace is just sufficient for you, you'll say, and Lord, can you give me a different word? Because we just want it fixed. We want the pressure off. We want the suffering to stop. We want to move past this point of our lives. Three times, and each time God God says, God God says, my grace is sufficient for you, which is to say, I need you to stay faithful. And we know that Paul got the victory. He finally got the victory. Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Yet there are Christians who fold like accordions each and every time they're persecuted because of their faith. Well, they don't like me. (laughs) I believe I am. I want to say this I would rather be, y'all might not like this, but I would rather be with a believer that falls every single day but picks themselves back up by the grace of God than with a Christian who does well most days but folds under the pressure of any attack and will not fight when it comes to it. I would much rather be with the one who falls but gets back up. You may not like this either, but but I'd rather be with a cussing Christian that won't give up on the promises of God Than a cultured Christian that knows Greek and Hebrew but won't fight. Hey, Christian, don't give up. Don't shrink back. Give the devil hell with your faithfulness and God will preserve you. Come on. Somebody watching me right now. You're watching me and you're about ready to give it up. You want to take your life. I'm here to tell you the sun is going to shine tomorrow. You're this close to a breakthrough and the devil's got you wrapped up to make you think like you're worthless. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. You keep fighting. You don't give up. Come on. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. Ain't nothing you've been attacked with that nobody else hasn't suffered with at some point in life. You're not that unique. And that's really good news. That's really good news because if somebody else can make it, that means you can too. But God is Faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, but with the temptation, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So even when I feel like I'm not faithful, I can rely on my God who who will never let me down, Uh, has got my rear guard, my front guard, he's on my left, he's on my right. I can't fall if I try. I can lean on my God. Lean on me. When you're not strong, that's the Lord saying that to you right now. You can lean on him when you feel as if you're weak. He said, I'll make the way of escape. God's got 89,000 ways right now to get you out of your problem. But he only needs one. He made the way of escape. God has the way of escape. He knows exactly what you need when you need it because it wasn't a surprise to him when he got there. This is how God preserves his people by working out his plan. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. They're higher than mine. I plug into him. Here's the good news. Just the fact that you're putting one foot in front of the other, the fact that you showed up here today, the fact that you tuned in today, putting one foot in front of the other already shows strength. You may feel like the weakest person in the world, but you connected here with God today. And faithfulness always shows strength. So the fact that I'm faithful even when I don't feel like it, I'm faithful when I don't feel like I trust him. I'm faithful when I feel like he's let me down. I'm faithful when I even want to cuss him out. I'm faithful because I don't believe it. I I waited this long. I feel like I've been done wrong. It's unjust. All these things that happen, I'm still going to be faithful because this is what's required of me. And that shows strength. Faithfulness out of the Webster Dictionary. You know, Webster wrote his dictionary in 1828, and he was a Christian, and his, his, his definitions of words, although today we try to change the definitions of words because that's what people want to do. They want to, they want to delegitimize other things that are going on, and so they, 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 don't start, they, don't, they don't come up with another word. They try to delegitimize the word that already has power. But he said this. He said, faithfulness is firm adherence to the truth, and to the duties of a relationship with God. This is what the dictionary says: firmly adhering to duty, loyal, constant in the performance of duties or services, exact in attending to what an authority has given you to do. I'm faithful. Every morning, church, I wake up. I will say most mornings, I wake up. <laughs> Some mornings I don't wake up very, I don't wake up very thankful, but I, I, I would say I get there. I, I will get there by the day's end. And and uh, But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for his faithfulness. I shouldn't be standing before you today. I shouldn't be saved today. I might not even be alive today had it not been for his faithfulness. I thank him on a daily basis for I thank, I thank the Lord Jesus Christ for his faithfulness to the cross. The sheer power of his faithfulness changed the entire world. So if you got nothing to be thankful for, be thankful for his faithfulness. How do we become faithful? I'm just about done. The first step is to understand the importance of it and being determined to develop that fruit, because faithfulness is a fruit of the spirit. Develop that fruit in our lives. How, How does that happen? By understanding the importance of it? By by watch this, by knowing it's not a feeling, it's not an emotion. I don't wait for it to come upon me. It's a decision of faith to be faithful. Moses made a decision to be faithful to Aaron and Miriam, even when they judged him and they rebelled against his authority, but his faithfulness preserved them from the wrath of God. Look what it says in Numbers 12, 7. It said this, then he said, Hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Watch this. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak to him face to face. Faithfulness can bring us in a relationship with God that's much closer than even a prophet. Face to face. Even plainly I speak to him, not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then? Speaking to Miriam and Aaron. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You know, God takes it very personal. You don't have to try to get back at your enemies when you're close with God. Your faithfulness to him is like a weapon. And it will cause, it will cause even God to get involved. You don't deal with them. He deals with them. And, and he, and he, he said, I will, cause, I will cause them to die. And the Bible says that Moses interceded for them. He was faithful to them. Church, we are not given excuse to quit even when those who are being, we're being faithful to have wrongly judged our motives. They judged his motives and said, who do you think you are? We can hear God like you hear God. I've been around church members just like that. Who do you think you are? I hear God just as much as you hear God. And ain't nobody even saying who's hearing God more. Who cares? The difference is God gives somebody authority and then God backs that man or that woman in that position whether you like him or not. And our job, my job as a pastor is to still be faithful to the flock. Part of the temptation of pastors, can I let you in on pastoral secrets right now? Part of the temptation for pastors is to quit the people they're serving because the people begin to backbite them. And it's painful. And they're sick and tired of dealing with all that garbage. And so they say, enough with this. I'll go work for Amazon or something. I'll, I'll start a business. I don't need any of this. What, I didn't sign up for this. And God says, I've called you to it. You got to change the atmosphere and be faithful in that. And he says, I'll work through you. And so I got to speak prayers of mercy over you and I don't want to. I'm like, get him, Jesus. (laughs) Got church members sometimes and it's been a while since this has happened uh, and I thank God for that. We have a lot of mature people in the body of Christ. But we got church that want to tell the pastor, I've seen them try to tell me how to run the church. You ain't built nothing your entire life. You can't even pray most days and yet you won't tell me I've been a minister for 30 years? How to run a church? How dare you? Lord, bring out the she-bears. Tear them up, Lord. That's what I want to say. That's what I want to do. But my job is to be faithful even when I'm being, my motives are being misjudged and mishandled. Be faithful in my assignment. Elisha was very faithful to Elijah. And not that Elijah was bad all the time, but this this dude was moody. He was tough to deal with. He was not a perfect prophet. He was fearful. He was depressed a lot of the times. He was very negative. He was uh, he was filled with self-pity a lot of times. Even wanted to, God to take his life. But Elijah's problems did not stop Elijah, his servant, from being faithful to him, and he continued to serve the man of God because God appointed him to that man. With all his problems and with all his stuff, that's why, and this is a topic for another time. But I think we should be very forgiving of leaders who mess up. Oh, there should be repercussions. There should be something. Yes, of course. But we should be we should be not getting the bandwagon of tearing them up, like so many other people, and throwing them away over the one wrong they've done. But the years of good that they have done, over the, we just we 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 overlook it like it never happened. We have to be caring and loving, and and. And we still, I, I look back, and I I'm not, this is not to say anything disparaging. I, I would say it's more of a testimony, but how many's ever heard of Jimmy Swagger? Jimmy Swagger, back in the 80s, you, most of you were just either children or, or don't remember, but he was the premier evangelist, telev- televangelist in the world. I loved him. I loved his preaching and all that. I grew up on, on Jimmy Swagger. And, um, and he fell in sin in the 80s, and it made huge, it made worldwide news, and, and it caused a, 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 a terrible... Um, uh, it, it caused a, a, a terrible um, black eye on the body of Christ uh, to where anytime you said you're a Christian, oh, you probably like Jimmy Swagger, you know? And so it got, it got bad there for a long time. And people's uh, church attendance dropped, giving dropped, everything dropped because of this one man, right? But i tell you what's interesting to me out of all these years, he's, he's back up, he's been, been strong for a l- little while and stuff. And, um, and what was interesting to me was his son, who was an adult at the time, uh, he's probably, uh, he's got to be in his mid-60s somewhere, Donnie. Um, and Donnie, um, he never left his father's side. And I remember back in like, when this all happened, I mean, why does that guy stick around? I mean, I guess his dad and stuff, love him, but go on with your ministry and, and detach yourself because this guy has totally ruined his life and everything around him. And yet he never left his father's side. And to this day, he honors his daddy, he calls him. To this day, and, and you know what I think is, is awesome is that he outlived all those critics. And now he's doing good all around the world. And Donnie stayed faithful like an Elisha to an Elijah. Don't tell me. And they got their problems like everybody else got their problems, But don't tell me that God doesn't honor such a thing. He will honor it. He will honor it. You don't overlook it. But you stay put. This might be a tough pill to swallow for some, but it's biblically accurate. You will never fully be promoted by God until you faithfully serve someone or serve somewhere. The first test that you will have for anything God has for you is He'll see who you served and where you served. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. Amen? And that means that they don't mesh sometimes. Clang, clang, clang. Sparks fly. You ever heard that? Our relationship, our, our sparks fly in our relationship. That's not always a bad thing. It's sharpening each other and preparing you for a greater promotion or a greater day. And some people don't, don't wait for God's promotion. They, they promote themselves. They don't wait for God to just do what God's called them to do. And I don't want to leave you here, but I want to say this one thing before we, get, we wrap it up. Um, spiritual sons and daughter, um, uh, Anivad and Clarissa. How remember Anivad and Clarissa Montt? Part of our church for years. They were head of our children's department. And supernaturally, God showed me that they were going to be leaving and going to Florida. And I got a word, and they asked to see me, and I already knew. And in the word, uh, when we we sat down, I said, well, I want to pray for you and bless you on the way out and all that. And so we did. We had them up here. And I gave them a prophetic word. I remember I gave them a prophetic word. And I said, you're going to Florida, and you think it's going to be one thing, but hear the word of the Lord. You're going to start a church. I said that knowing their eyes are going to bug out of their head. Like what, where did that come from? No intentions whatsoever of that happening. None. But I took the chance and I spoke what God said to say. And, um, and so I said that and I said the same spirit that's on this house, you're going to take and float to Florida and it's going to multiply and it's going to burn like a fire. And so praise God, it was awesome, you know, we, we say goodbye. I said this, say this, they did everything they didn't because the way you leave is how you enter. The way you leave 2020 is how you're going to enter 2021. The way they left this church is the way they're going to enter into their destiny. And when you leave wrong, when you leave angry, when you leave upset, just know that that's moving right into your next season in your life. Whether it's me or somebody else. Or anything in your life. And so they did it the right way. And we blessed them and sent them and all that stuff. And he started his ministry, and it wasn't the church. And I chuckled. I said, hey, buddy. I said, you may be doing this right now, but you know. And he said, I know, I know. I'm just waiting for God to tell me. I mean, okay, you know. And so I will tell you this. This month, or is it already happening? No, it's this month. Huh? This month. He sent me all the stuff. He's been talking to me actually for the last six months about it, to be honest with you. to say I want you to be the first one to know. I'm a spiritual daddy, and I've been telling them, this is what you need to do. This month, they launched their church in Tampa, Florida. And they said, they said, Pastor, what's so awesome is when we were driving around asking God, where, God, where, God, they finally submitted to the word, where. They were driving through Tampa, and they said, oh, my God, oh, my God. They both started crying. I said, why? They said, because we drove through Tampa, it was like driving through Milwaukee. Can't explain it. It was like, it was like the same spirit there is here. And then remember the word. The same spirit of this house is going to be on that house, and it's going to go like a fire. Why? Because they didn't wait. Come on. To do, they didn't do what they wanted to do. They waited for someone to release them in faith. They were faithfulness back there with those children week after week with your kids. Never asked for nothing. Sometimes pay for things out of their own pocket. I know that happens here. A lot of you do this. And, but God saw it. And now the day is coming, they're going to pastor their own church. Somebody say amen. Yeah. What God starts, God finishes. Why? Through your faithfulness, it will preserve you. You make the decision that you've already won in 2021.